Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hashira Half Hour. And just as you might expect, we have some Demon Slayer content to bring you. While we are branching out with new animes, Demon Slayer holds a very special place in our heart. So don't worry, it's still coming your way pretty often. Even though the season might be over, we have plenty to give you. And also, side note, around the time we're uploading this, it is close to July 14th, which is Tanjiro's birthday. So I have to shout out my boy. Happy birthday, Tanjiro, my favorite character in the planet, universe, world, you know, all the things. So just have to say that. <laughs> uh, but today is our Swordsmith Village arc recap. We are fresh off our rewatch of the season. We just did it a few days ago, and I am fresh off my second full rewatch of the season. <laughs> I've already rewatched the entire thing twice. Yes, that's me. I'm your host, Hannah. <laughs> and as always, I'm joined by my friends. Hi, guys. It's Emily. Man, it's a little bit bittersweet that we're not going to have new UFO table Demon Slayer content for a while, but like Hannah said, that doesn't mean that we're not going to bring some more uh, to the table. So I am very excited to be talking a little bit of recap today, Swordsmith Village. It was really nice getting to watch it again and all consecutively. So let's jump in. Pass it to Brian. Yeah, honestly, seeing it all again as one piece was really great. Uh, sans Luffy, he wasn't there. But um, being able to really understand the entire story and see it kind of as a movie, I think was a different experience for sure. And of course, I'm super grateful to my friends for bringing me this um, in my time of need, really. Um, I got a little Zenitsu with a little rice ball from Emily, Hannah, mm -hmm. and someone who's been on our show a couple times, Jenna. They all gave me a nice card. Um, like Zenitsu, I had an anxiety attack, but now we're rolling. I mean, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we love your little Zenitsu shrine that is growing and growing. Um... We felt like we wanted to just add a little something, something to it. Uh, but we're going to dive right into things because each one of us has some questions we want to ask each other. And it was really fun to watch the season as a whole, you know, in one sitting. I think that I caught a lot of different things that have happened. So uh, really excited to talk about the whole thing. Um, but like we said, this is kind of a broad overview of the season. We're not going to get super, super detailed in anything. We just want to talk about it as a whole. And I... I'm going to start off with my question for Emily and Brian, but how does this season compare to others as far as storyline, action, your interest in the story, and where does it fall on your favorites list? So looking in the grand scheme of things, right, there's like, <clears throat> I think, you know, you have season one, Entertainment District, you have the Mujin Train, and you have Source of Village. So if we're kind of looking at those four in a lens, I think this story, this arc tells a very different story. I think a lot of people were very impressed with Entertainment District because the story there was like the fight between humans and demons is like tooth and nail, right? Like there is like a lot of ground to make up. Now, this story in Source of Village is a little different, right? We saw Hashira solo an upper moon. We saw Muichiro take him out no problem. I mean, of course, he got help from other people, but he was the only Slayer fighting Gyoko. So I think the problem, and I think why a lot of people think that this season maybe wasn't their favorite, was because it didn't feel as climactic, right? It didn't feel as there was much as tension and, like, issue to resolve. Whereas, you know, in the second 
entertainment district or even in you know Mujin Train, you had these really big conflicts going where it was Enmu and Akaza and there was a struggle or Daki and Gyutaro were their own set of problems. So I think this season, while uh, it wasn't my overall favorite season. I think Entertainment District or Mujin Train still take first place in my heart. I do think the individual episodes have my heart, just not the overarching story. I think that's completely fair. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's like some stiff competition here, but I like the differences that you called out, Brian. And one more that... I'd like to mention about this season that does set it apart from the rest is that each of the other arcs that we've seen um, pretty much since the end of season one, meaning like Mugen Train and Entertainment District, really focused specifically on Tanjiro and possibly Zenitsuna Nosuke. Obviously, those two are missing from this season, which is probably a factor for a lot of people, um, some very lovable boys. But additionally, <laughs> those two seasons both focused on one Hashira in particular. This season, the time is divided between two Hashira and an additional important member of the Demon Slayer Corps, and we get a lot of background in this season, which can make it feel kind of, like, dense, I think. Like, it's a little bit more speaking, a little bit more backstory than action compared to something like Entertainment District, and even to the first season, because they just had a lot more information to pack in, I think. That being said, I completely agree, Brian, that like this, I, I do not think that this season overall was my favorite. And I'm going to be controversial and say of all of them, it probably ranks last on my list overall. Whoa. <laughs> not to say that it's bad. It's a tough choice. Um, obviously, Mugen Train is first for me. We, we know. Yeah. <laughs> we know. Um, <laughs> and I think Entertainment District is probably second. And I really have a big soft spot in my heart for season one also. So like, although this might be a list, the levels are like very, very, very close together. And so is Swordsmith Village. But like Brian said, some of these episodes in this would rank at the top of my list. Mm -hmm. I think just looking at it holistically, that's my personal opinion. But uh, the last episode of this season ranks within my top three, certainly. It was so well done. Um... Yeah, I would say, I think it solidly ranks. It's so hard. I love all the arcs of Demon Slayer for different reasons, but I would actually say I probably have it third right now. I think Entertainment District is still top for me, and Mugen Train is second behind that. I really, really love Swords of Village, and I've already said that last episode is my favorite episode of the entire show, but I think that... When it comes to what I like to enjoy, just in my personal, you know, experience with media, is I always go for more of the, like, heavy action and just, like, fights to the death. That's that's always when I find myself the most invested. And I really think that Swords and Village, well, like, it's not a bad thing. It really takes a step back, you know? I feel like Season 1 was kind of the build-up for the big battles of Mugen Train and Entertainment District, and those were just, like, not a lot of backstory. Like, there was some, but it wasn't, like, super prevalent to the arcs. A lot of fighting... Um, we're, we're fighting upper moons now, so it's a much bigger deal. We get one where we don't beat the upper moon, and then we get one where we do. So, like, this arc, it's a foregone conclusion that we can now defeat upper moons. Like, that's something that we've established now. So now we're focusing on developing more story, more characters. We're getting some mysteries. So it, like, it kind of takes a step back from, like, the big explosions of fights. 
and still some absolutely spectacular fight scenes, but they definitely were more spread out, more, you know, more separated because there were so many characters to introduce. So I tend to lean more towards those like heavy battles. So that's why it ranks a little bit lower, but I don't think that that means that this season was bad, which we're going to kind of talk a little bit more about like the conversations that were on the internet regarding this season a little bit later in this episode, but um, we will go ahead and move on to Emily's question. Yeah. So like I mentioned a fun thing about this season is that this this arc formally introduced several new human characters to our squad and our um, cast list, if you will. This includes, of course, members of the Demon Slayer Corps like Genya, Muichiro, and Mitsuri. But it also developed a lot of really fun side characters that we got to meet or get to know a little bit better, like Haganazuka um, and Kanamori. Which of these new additions was your favorite and why? I loved them all, but I have a special place in my heart for Genya. Um, <laughs> it, oh man, I I've been on a roller coaster of feelings for Genya as a character. Being a manga reader, like there's a lot more to come, but uh, I just love his development, and I really especially love just I love the angry boys like that are. Like, they present themselves angry, but they're actually cinnamon rolls inside. And I love it when, like, we go through a little character arc where, like, that cinnamon roll comes out and it's because of my favorite character that it does. And just, like, the switch from him kind of yelling at Tandro and being upset and saying, I'm going to be the Hashira, you're just going to watch me do it, to literally in the same episode, like, you know... Obviously, he knew he wasn't going to die because he had eaten a demon so he could regenerate, but putting himself in front of Tanjiro and taking, like, multiple hits like that and making himself some Swiss cheese <laughs> brings a tear to my eye. <laughs> I had to make the joke. So I just, I love all the characters, but I think his development this season was one of my favorites and will continue on throughout the rest of the story. I don't really know if I fully need to answer this question, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I guess I kind of have to, right? It's, of course, going to be Mitsuri. Seeing her on screen was amazing. Finally getting to see love breathing overall. Um, I know this is going to come as a shocker, but episode 10, of course, was my favorite episode. Like, literally, that entire episode was fire. Her entire backstory to watching her essentially dance her way across the screen and knock the crap out of those wood dragons was amazing. I think overall, um, Mitsuri really does give a, a contrast to the rest of the Hashira because, right, all of these people have these strong resolves. And I think while that's great that everyone has like these deep, uh, you know, seated feelings, I think sometimes just being a bright light or just being like the bubbly one of the group is just as important because someone has to be able to bring the levity a little bit and, uh, you know, bring everybody back down. So she certainly does that. I don't think there's an incorrect answer to this question because it is context heavy. And in that we get a lot of really rich character development and mm -hmm. introduction. So, um, Everyone here is a solid choice, right? And we'll have to give the honorary Jenna answer. We know that Muichiro was a much-loved favorite <laughs> as well for this season. So there's that for you. But personally, I actually really did enjoy getting to meet like all the different swordsmiths. And obviously, we, we know that I may or may not allegedly 
have or have not a thing for fucking <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> um, that man may have my phone number, but no one else. Um, Sorry, do Tom. I need to text Tom? <laughs> Tom, Tom. <laughs> Listen, he would take the number before me. <laughs> those lines look good on that screen and in those books. But <laughs> um, but also, I really love Katetsu, too. Yes. And I really like the dynamic that they have together is, like, so funny because he's so little. And he's, like, at the beginning of the season getting bullied by Muichiro. And he seems, like, very meek and mild. But then after getting to know him for, like, 30 seconds, he's, like, putting Tanjiro through, like, actual torture <laughs> for training. Tanjiro passes on to the other side because of how harsh Kotetsu is. And then at the end of the season, he's like picking a fight with Haganazuka, who's like enormous. And I just think that he's like so funny once his personality comes out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So I I love him. And also the, the chief, like I just love the swordsmiths. I think yeah. they're all so cute and so fun. And it was something that like in season one, the first time that Haganazuka showed up to bring the first sword, I was curious about. Because obviously the use of the masks, but also like they're coming from some place that's like hidden and far away. So um, you know, when reading the manga and when getting to this point in the anime as well, I was just really excited to get to explore this different part of the world that exists and, like, this different need that there is. And, like, without these swordsmiths, you wouldn't have the Demon Slayers with the tools that they need to help protect everyone. So their jobs are equally as important, and I just thought it was really cool. So. Love that. Good stuff. Brian? Yeah. Of course, right? I am the resident villain, Stan. So we couldn't have a recap episode without talking about who your favorite demon was. We got to see the entire panel of Upper Moons rip docking Gyutaro. <clears throat> um, and of course, we also got to meet the Biwa lady. Um, so what did you enjoy about your favorite demon? And where do you think they're going to land with the audience in going forward since we are manga readers? Well, I'm just going to come out and say it. The two featured upper moons this season are my least favorite upper moons um, of the entire show. So that also probably didn't help with my ranking that I mentioned a little bit earlier. However, I am glad to be rid of them. Um, <laughs> my favorites, I mean, Akaza is my favorite demon. That's like not a secret. And, and there's going to be more to come on him later. But he got probably one of the coolest shots of the entire season right there in episode one. I remember watching that in the theater with these two and it was just... Like, so, like, that Infinity Castle sequence is incredible. But I'm going to give two smaller shout-outs. I won't go too deep in case anyone else has these same answers. But, um, obviously, Doma is super cool. Um, and I think is going to be a crowd-pleaser. And then the Muzan backstory in Episode 10 was also really, really compelling. And I think helped to flesh him out a little bit more. I don't know that it makes him more complex to me. I think he's still kind of simple. And I think that's totally fine. But it was cool to see him, like, be evil throughout different periods of time. So. Yeah, I agree with what you said about Muzan. I think getting his backstory, it gives that context of him. However, he still is very just evil. But I like that that's what it seems like the story is 
you know, going towards is just, like, there's kind of, like, the main big bad that's just evil, and, like, you find out that most of the other villains are kind of, like, manipulated by the big bad. I really like that kind of uh, story development. But I have to say, Kokushibo, oh my gosh, that six-eyed freak, I don't understand how you can be so creepy and so sexy at the same time, and he does it perfectly. <laughs> uh Kind of similar to Emily mentioning, you know, experiencing the Upper Moon meeting for the first time at the Orpheum Theater with, like, a crowd of people that was just so excited about it. And one of my favorite, like, little memories is when they showed Kokushibo's face finally after, like, getting little bits of his head and the crowd just, like, screamed and it was so funny. Um, I'm so excited to see more from him. Um... I think that he's going to be a really interesting character for a lot of people who haven't read the manga yet. He's one of those demons that just has some interesting things going on, like most demons do. And I also agree that Gyoko and Hantengu are my absolute least favorites. They don't bring much to the table. Gyoko doesn't even have a backstory. Hantengu's backstory comes at like the worst time when we're like, I literally don't care at all. <laughs> and I very specifically remember, again, during the movie premiere... When Han Tengu shows up on the screen the first time during that Upper Moon meeting, I looked at Jenna and I went, I can't wait till Tantro kills that bitch. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that that moment happened, but I'm not surprised by any means. <laughs> she just looked at me and was like, uh, okay, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, speaking of Muzan, why did they need to make Muzan so hot as he transformed? No reason. Absolutely no reason. reason. <laughs> UFO table is just trying to make all of us simp for everyone. Literally everyone. But we it's all agree fair. that it kind of worked, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> too true. Too true. But I will say my favorite demon was Doma. Um, he's very cocky, very arrogant. I'm starting to realize I have two types for anime characters, anxious and powerful and cocky and arrogant, i.e. Gojo Satoru. Um, it's starting <laughs> to all make sense now. It's all coming together here. But I think Doma really is going to be a people pleaser. He, there are no redeeming qualities about Doma. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Like, no, like, I'm not going to say too much, but like, he's just a bad guy as well. For a different reason, we get to know a lot more of his backstory later in the in the series. But when you learn it, you're gonna be like, "It makes sense," but I don't feel bad for you at all. Um, I think it's pretty cool. I also think his blood demon art is so cool and very fitting for his personality as well. Uh, so very excited to see what people think of him down the line. I'm very excited to see all of these demons in action. I think. You know, obviously we've seen Akaza in action, but getting to see Kokushibo and Doma in action and maybe some more that are to come, I, you know, I think that it's going to be a real treat for sure. Cool. Well, we have to address the elephant in the room since we touched on it a little bit when we talked about uh, the season as a whole. Um, but this season did receive quite a lot of backlash and controversy on the internet, especially on Twitter. And I know, like, Emily and Brian didn't experience this probably as much as I did. <laughs> but it did receive a lot of backlash due to its slower pace. And UFO Table did actually use a lot of newer animators and experimented a lot this season with some CGI, as well as, 
even, you know, the climax of Gyoko versus Muichiro used some newer animators, and a lot of people did not like that. I think I know where we all stand on this topic. However, now that we've watched the season from start to finish, where do we stand within this argument? Was UFO Table taking a step back? Are people just expecting the season to be like Entertainment District when the story doesn't really lend itself to that? Or was there some you know, merit to these conversations happening on Twitter? I think there's a lot to tackle in that question, but I'm going to start with just the way the battles played out. Like if we look at it, sound breathing and the way that that was animated in the just like striking against each other in the explosions of Entertainment District, I think that's what hooked a lot of people to Demon Slayer. However, this was not that season. This season, I feel the action was very different. Like, you had a lot more horror elements this season. I think with the fish, there was the need for CGI. I don't think plain 2D animation would have given those justice. I think they were little, like, French fish with claws. I don't think that, you know, them using <clears throat> CGI was a bad choice. I think it gave texture to the anime, and I think... Um, something that we've talked about, the, there was this scene in Entertainment District where I compare this to where uh, Giyutaro is standing over Tanjiro and there's that uh, combination of realistic and animated elements because obviously you have two very animated characters standing in what looks like to be a real fire. Mm -hmm. And I think it needed that in the same sense that the Swordsman Village needed some sort of like realistic element because you have these fish sitting in the background that actually does look somewhat real if you really kind of like look at the scene and then you have this clearly animated CGI object. But again, you want that texture. You want there to be somewhat conscious contrast because that's kind of the appeal to anime is sometimes you get lost in it and like wow this does look really real it's the escape portion of it and i think that's kind of the point of anime is to be able to escape away to something i think a lot of people didn't like the cgi wood dragons um i mean i've seen 2d wood and uh emily you know what we're talking about here um if we compare it to other large scale things like that i think that this was done far better like with the tech that we have today and it's not to say that the scene that i'm referencing or the character i'm referencing from naruto is you know had it done poorly just the time and i think that this was a very good choice to use some of these new techniques yeah 100 percent. i mean my my personal opinion if there's one thing we're not gonna critique it's gonna be the work that ufo table has done because there is no argument here about whether or not this is one of the prettiest shows on TV. Like, there's just not, and choosing to, to or not to use CGI does not change that for me at all. And I think it's very double-sided to, like, you know, be complaining about the fish in, like, one moment, but then everybody loves the scene with Akaza in the first episode. That is also CGI. That is mm -hmm. the use of CGI, and I think, I think people get confused about what CGI is sometimes. That's my personal opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um and also like the fish are meant to be unsettling and like they're meant to be otherworldly because they're not real for one thing they're kind of like a manifestation that yoko has summoned and also like they're fish out of water and they're supposed to be slippery and slimy and weird so in my opinion i think that they nailed it and if there are criticisms of this season again i really think it needs to stay away from the animators um you know they're busting their asses for us 
much more than we probably realize. And I understand that we are the consumer, but I think that they understood the assignment probably better than any of us. So that is my opinion there. However, since I'm talking about criticisms, I also am going to say that I think what we're not going to do is criticize character designs also. There, you know, maybe this is our first tangent of the day, but I saw a lot of criticisms about Kokushibo's design in general. And Hannah probably already knows. Yeah, Brian, this might be a surprise to you because it's like, it's so cool, right? But they're like, it's lazy. He just looks so creepy and weird with six eyes. They like, that's just such a lazy choice. Why wouldn't they make him, you know, otherworldly like the other demons? And to that, I say, for one thing, like, not all the demons have to be otherworldly to, you know, make the cut, obviously. Like, ob some have very, very distinct looks, like the two that are featured this season. And even Akaza has, like, a very distinct kind of look. But, like, Doma has cool eyes and otherwise is pretty human-looking. Uh, Muzan, obviously, is pretty damn near close to human-looking when he wants to be. But there is a point. The six eyes are super, super important. We'll learn a little bit more about that later, but six is significant and it's not chosen without purpose. So I also think that we need to mind our business a little bit more <laughs> when it comes to some of that. Obviously, I'm sure there are some valid criticisms out there as well, but I think like design and the interpretation of that design by UFO table are off the UFO table, if you get what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm going to get canceled. <laughs> this is news to me that someone didn't like Kokushibo's design. And also, like, he's the first demon that we've seen with a sword. Like, does that, does that not spark a question for you? Did you not go, wait, hold the phone? So I think a lot... And a lot of the people that are criticizing this season are not manga readers. They're just like, oh, this season was boring, blah, blah, blah. The the twists, the mysteries were too confusing, blah, 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 blah. When Kokushiba's character design, it's like that for a very specific reason. And we're not going to dive into that because that's manga spoilers. But sometimes I think you need to wait to criticize any piece of media until you've seen the full thing. And that's what, like, my husband does is I'll be like, oh, wh where do you rank this show? He's like, I don't know. It hasn't finished. Because you want to see the full story from start to finish before you really can say, like, oh, this character design wasn't that good. Or the pacing in this season wasn't that good. Because it all is part of a bigger picture. And where we're at in the show right now is we're getting pieces to a puzzle. We haven't seen the full puzzle. And I think a lot of the criticism is coming from people who just haven't seen everything and don't understand why these characters are designed this way. Because Kokushiba's design is very specific, and it's it's like that for a very, very specific reason. Um, but... So here's my thought on everything. I think it's important to look at things like that you consume with, you know, a neutral eye. You know, people would accuse people like us often of like looking at things through uh, rose colored sunglasses, as they would call it, you know, because we love the piece of media. We're going to be more like, ah, uh, like supportive of it. So I think it's important to look at things, you know, 
and be like, okay, maybe that could have been done differently. But I literally look at Source and Village and I'm like, that's, I never feel that way. And let me be very, very clear. UFO Table has every right to use newer animators this season. And they have every right to give them chances to animate small scenes, big scenes, unimportant scenes, important scenes, because this is how they get their experience. I can guarantee you these newer animators absolutely proved their worth before they put them into a position where they're animating Gyoko versus Muichiro. But they need to experiment. And I think a lot of people are worried that they're they're pu like pushing Demon Slayer off to the newer animators because they're going to start to focus on these two other animes that they picked up. One of them is Genshin Impact. But I don't think that's the case. I think they're just trying to figure out how they're going to do things. And wouldn't you rather they experiment now than uh, in a couple of arcs, which we all know what's going to go down? I don't think we want them to experiment then, right? So um, I don't think it's right to criticize any of the animators because... They did a fantastic job, and I'm fairly certain 99% of us that are criticizing them can't even remotely come close to animating anything like they do. So, you know, there's that. But um, kind of a tangent. I just think that even though Swordsmith Village maybe isn't my favorite arc, and it kind of actually is a little bit lower on my list... That does not mean that the story is bad. That does not mean that the arc is bad. That does not mean that the animation took a step back. It just means that it wasn't, it, it didn't cater to exactly what I look for as a consumer, which I kind of knew going into this, it might be like that because I've read Swords with Village. So I think it's something to be very careful to those people who are criticizing on the internet in the name of trying to be, you know, neutral and not just be ufo table fans that be careful with your words and understand that maybe it's just you're more of someone who likes flashy fights like entertainment district and that's totally okay we're all sitting here saying that's okay but entertainment district was supposed to be and it was thematically designed to be flashy and crazy and super climatic when even sorts of village the climax was not as flashy. It was actually emotional. So take that as you will. I would definitely agree with both Emily and Ryan saying, like, criticizing animators is not what we need to do, ever. Because they're putting their souls into this work, no matter what you think. I'm going to get off my soapbox now. <laughs> and we're, uh, we're getting close to the end here. So uh, we talked a little bit about our predictions for what they're doing for the rest of the arcs, we, we're not totally sure what they're going to do, but uh, I think we can talk about this a little bit without giving spoilers, but what are your predictions on how they're going to do the rest of the story? We have a couple of big arcs left, and I don't want to spoil anything, but we, we still have a good number of chapters to go, but we are kind of nearing one of the final arcs um, of Demon Slayer, and... So I have a couple of thoughts for how I think that this could go. What I think is most likely is that, and, and it's already been confirmed that we're getting a Hashira training arc, manga readers will know that this is going to be short. I personally think that it is probably going to be very similar actually to what is happening with Jujutsu Kaisen right now. I mean, this is my hope anyway, but knowing that Hashira training is relatively short, 
I think it's probably kind of similar to the hidden inventory arc that we're getting right now, and I believe that that is projected to be five episodes. I think Hashira training could definitely be five or less. And that being said, because it's so short, I do think it's going to be coupled with hopefully the beginning of the big one. <laughs> if they do it like Jujutsu Kaisen, which I think would be great, then we could be looking at like a 20 to 26 episode run in total. That being said, this arc that I'm talking about that comes after the Hashira training is big and there's a lot of stuff that happens and it technically is two separate arcs. They may or may not kind of merge how those work a little bit. So I don't know, like I, I don't think that the next season is going to be the last season of Demon Slayer unless they give it the Attack on Titan treatment. <laughs> <laughs> and we get like i don't know it like we, i think it would have to be like a 20 something episode season and then two like full length movies or we just get an additional season of demon slayer um after the fact that's what i think yeah i do think that it's going to be very similar to jujutsu kaisen with a a little like appetizer to the main course if you will and then i've always thought that there might be a movie mixed in or sprinkled in somewhere I don't really know at this point. I think the very last arc would be amazing to see in theaters. And if you're listening, UFO Table, like, please, please do it. Let me let me go to the movie theater and come out a mess. Like, I'd love to do that because literally that very final arc, people are going to lose their marbles. I am telling you. So that's what I hope for. I do also hope that a lot of people get to see um the new Hashira coming because we have gotten Sonami's backstory just a little bit but we don't know very much about Obenai and we don't know very much about Gilme. we know that they're very elusive and mysterious characters but I still think that they have a very large fan base even for the minimal amount of time that they've gotten on screen but as manga readers, again, I think people are going to fall in love with Obanai after they learn really what he's all about, because he has a pretty tough story. And Gyome. Gyome's story is rough. Yeah. Um, I really hope that Emily is right. I'm a little nervous because they've only announced Hashira training as a standalone arc. So... I don't know what their plan is. I, I genuinely, I thought they were going to tack it on to the end of Swords of Village, and they didn't. I think they should have, because Swords and Village was so short. But uh, if I could guess, I would say if Hashira Training is truly its own arc, I hope they're planning on giving it to us sooner rather than later, because I don't think they should make us wait over a year for an arc that is going to be like five episodes max unless they're really planning to add a ton of anime original content which even five episodes would be stretching it because i think it's nine chapters and they on average put three chapters per episode so there's something to think about there and the arc after it is a long long big arc i would hope that they give us hush your training if it's all all by itself by like winter and then we wait one more year for infinity castle but if Emily's right. I would much prefer we just wait for everything and we just get at the beginning and get a decent 20 episodes, maybe split into two. I think they're probably going to give us the final arc in a movie form unless they really plan to extend it, which I think they might. So we'll see. But in other words, I have no idea. <laughs> but it's an interesting conversation to have. I'm interested in what they have up their sleeve for sure. And I trust them. I will consume everything they give me, Demon Slayer related, but... 
it should be an interesting experience. Finally, and we are coming to a close on Swordsmith Village. Let's go over our favorite moments and or episodes of the season. This shouldn't surprise anyone as I go first. It is obviously the entire scene of Nezuko conquering the sun. I, as a manga reader, have been waiting for that for about a year and a half since I first watched or first read the manga. And UFO Table really pulled out all of their tricks for that 15 minutes of scene. Um, everything from the music, the voice acting, the animation, the emotions, all of it combined just made for a masterpiece of an episode. So the whole episode was my favorite. And that particular moment from the time that she starts to burn to the time that Tanjiro collapses in the swordsmith's arms is my favorite, like, 15 minutes of media, I think, ever. It's just so well done. And I am a little bit embarrassed about how many times I've watched that specific piece from the episode. Well, Yokata, you have finally seen it. Um, <laughs> pretty much <laughs> I have uh, I think three very specific moments that I will call out uh, the very first moment being Mitsuri entering by flipping onto screen in the middle of the moon light are, are you kidding me Sailor Moon who second moment I'm gonna go for it um, second moment here is gonna be Doma crawling um, in on the ground like <laughs> Who the F do you think you are doing that? What is going on? Third favorite moment is going to be watching Kotetsu um, breathe into Muichiro's bubble. That mm. was very moving. And I was so, like, I saw that in the manga. Like, I, I knew that was going to happen. But also, it was a very sweet moment. And I think it was a really big turning point for Muichiro. Yeah. These are all good. And there's a lot of right answers. Like I said, even if this season doesn't rank the absolute highest on my list overall, some of the episodes definitely do. And certainly some of the moments, if we're going to break it down even further. And I loved that last episode. It is so well-structured, but a little bit of an emotional watch. And we all watched all the episodes together as they were coming out. And out of everything, there is only one scene that we rewound and watched multiple mm. times over and over and over. And that is Tanjiro's Sun Halo Dragon Head Dance. Yes. That scene was so cool. <laughs> we re <laughs> it was at least three times, I think, that we rewound it <laughs> and replayed it. We're like, wait, 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 let's do that again. <laughs> yeah. It was so good. Mm. So, oh my gosh, I, th I think that that has to be my favorite, but I am going to give a small secondary shout out, of course, to the Infinity Castle scene in the first episode. I think that's what like drew everyone in in the theaters, and that might be making it a little bit like special and biased for me too, was experiencing that for the first time. But there's going to be a lot more of that to come, and I am very excited to see more wonderful moments and episodes in the future. Mm. Absolutely. I do have to give a special, like, Shout out to Sun Halo Dragonhead Dance because that is without a doubt my second favorite, and it's close. It's just the emotions of Nezuko conquering the sun that gets to me. But I I remember like even Tom was like, "We're just gonna watch that one again." <laughs> it made me laugh because he's usually so chill just watching it. He was like, "We're watching that again." I was like, "Okay, Tom." <laughs> and then like at least one more time. Yeah. Maybe and then four, we're like, I don't remember. <laughs> and then we were like going through the episode, getting ready to record the podcast. We're like, "Let's just watch it again." <laughs> Also, I needed to like help remembering the name, so because it was a long one. It's it's a Sun it's Halo a mouthful. Dragon Head Dance. However, but... it looks great. Mm. So cool. So good. 
Amazing. Well, um, that is all we have for our recap. Real quick, we're going to go into our Taisho secret, which I'm actually going to pass over to Emily to give it to us, and she doesn't usually oh. uh, say our Taisho secrets very often. I got a secret to tell you. Um, but interestingly enough, my secret is about Hannah's husband, which sounds wrong out of context. So I'm going to keep speaking. Uh, uh, so, oh, dear Jordan, secretly, he calls all of the characters by different names. Um, much like either a very old person or a very young child, just naming whatever they want, whatever they want. He calls Muzan Steve and Tanjiro's crow is better known as Keith the crow which i believe is the whole name i think you need to say all of that keith the crow um so you know take that information and do with it what you will but jordan is probably the purest of all of us jordan babe if you're listening i love you (laughs) he's not listening by the way Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was uh, quite the time. We we rewatched the entire show leading up to uh, him binging Swords with Village when it ended, and he was just spouting out names, and I was like, at least he's not calling moves on Michael Jackson. Like, I'll give him the creativity to not go with the joke that's everyone says. So, you know, he's creative at least, right? I love it. It's, I, it's like those videos of like somebody's grandma being asked to name the Pokemon that they see on the screen. <laughs> I love those where they're like oh he's nice and they're showing like a Bulbasaur or something they're like I think that's Carl (laughs) (laughs) oh man well that being said what a ride Swords with Village was we're gonna have more Demon Slayer content for you guys so do not fear it will be coming We are still branching out to other animes, of course, but that's it for today. If you did like this episode, make sure to, if you're watching on YouTube, drop a like, leave a comment, and hit that subscribe button. Uh, If you're on Spotify, follow us. You can leave a comment, and if you want a question to be answered in a future episode, we do have that turned on, so you can do so. Also, give us a follow on TikTok and Instagram at HashiraHalfHour or Twitter at HashiraHalf. And as always, umai. Umai. Mai.